Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Alan Draper. Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Glad to be here. Absolute pleasure, man. It's a fabulous day. It's a great day. It's an exciting day to be doing a recording and a very interesting day to find out who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So that's going to be my first question. It's going to be like, yeah, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do? Who you are? Who are you? What do you do? How did you get there? And, you know, trying to get your uh, why behind everything. Yeah. I mean, that last question there, you know, we could chat for an hour about that alone. Um, my why for, for what I'm doing, but, uh, as way of an introduction, um, I, I guess the short version is I'm an entrepreneur. I, I own, I think it's 27 businesses. Now I, I'm involved in the operation of a couple dozen of them, but um, I have businesses in the home services industry, pest control. I own a digital marketing agency. I own a software company. Um, I'm a attorney, but I don't practice law, but I, I'm a partner in a law firm. Um, I'm a big time real estate investor. I own a contact marketing firm. Um, so quite, quite a few different hats that I wear. And my wife for things has evolved over the years, as you would imagine. And um, I remember when I started my first business, I remember thinking, like, I can't wait until I have more control over my time. And it was a really naive thought because I immediately had less control over my time. I left, I was practicing law in Phoenix and I moved to Detroit, Michigan to start a pest control company. And I immediately had less time because I was wearing more hats. I, you know, did everything for the company. Um, to keep it afloat. But the nice thing is, is that that tapers off. And so as the years have gone by, I've, my why and my purpose has changed. I'm not necessarily in a spot anymore where I have to work for money, which, um, um, which helps me actually become better at my job because now I do it for other reasons. Um, but I love being an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a business coach. So I help young entrepreneurs. I have two podcasts that are very successful that I drop weekly episodes for. I've been doing that for a couple of years and um, I just love business. I believe I was put on this planet to scale companies and to help others do the same. Which is awesome. So it brings up the question there, right? Cause I heard real estate investor there, which is awesome. Right. So, I mean, I'm from the uh, real estate background. So with that being said though, I mean, like you do a lot of businesses, obviously, uh, it's almost like an ADHD here where you just got to constantly be doing something. And that's pretty yeah. awesome, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But my question where I'm going with this is that like most of us were brought up with the whole, you know, go to school, get a good education so you can get a good job. Then you can buy that white picket fence, uh, retire and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Clearly that didn't work for you. And it doesn't work for most of us who are entrepreneurs, but like, have you always known it didn't work for you or were you conforming in the beginning and then somewhere along the line you figured, no, nah, what am I doing? Like, how, how did that transpire? You know, that's a good question. And I was just chatting with somebody today that um, he called me for some business advice and he mentioned that he couldn't talk on the phone for, you know, between two and five or whatever because he had a class. And he has a successful business that does over a million dollars in revenue every year. 
And I asked him why he's, you know, what the class was. I thought it was personal development or something, but he's finishing uh, his undergraduate degree and he's really close to finishing. And I told him this, um, that's a good thing. Otherwise I would try to convince you to, to drop out. And that's coming from somebody that I have an advanced education. I have a Juris doctorate's degree because I went to three years of law school. I passed the bar exam. So I have a lot of formal education. Um, and I, I feel like that's served me in a lot of ways, but I feel like my professional growth being an entrepreneur and starting a business outpaces every other thing that I've done to progress and to learn professionally. So, you know, kind of getting back to my story a little bit, I always wanted to be a lawyer since I was a little kid, but I also wanted to own a business. And when I got into my 20s, I started reading a lot about finance, investing in real estate and business. And I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a business owner for a lot of reasons. I wanted to build something great. I wanted to, you know, control my time. I wanted to control how much money I made, all these things. Um, uh, put my passion into something that I enjoyed. Um, and I don't think I lost track through my undergrad and law school years. I think I was, um, I was trying out different things. And so when I went to law school, the idea that was that I would eventually have a law firm, which I do now. And so that was kind of part of it, but I took a break from the law and I've really found my, my true passion and that's starting businesses. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. So your passion is starting them. So at some point in time, like, I mean, I can't imagine you running all of them all the time. You must have help. Yeah. So some of the best decisions that I've made has been about or regarding the people that I've surrounded myself with. So I have 16 business partners that have various levels of, um, of employment and, and contribution to the different businesses and then just uh, employees and um, other people that I've surrounded myself with that, that help me run those businesses. So I'm involved in a couple of dozen of them, you know, um, some more than others, but, um, and I'm technically the CEO of a few of them, but in a lot of ways, that's by name only by title only, um, the COOs of most of my companies are the ones that they're like the presidents. They're, they're doing a lot of the day to day. I focus more on, um, watching financials, making growth decisions and looking to, um, the long-term and executing on the vision of each of those companies. Right. Which is, yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. So you're uh, looking at growth and stuff and, mm -hmm. and scaling is your uh, key component here. Mm -hmm. See what got me off is cause you said you're into the startups, right? So yeah, I have a little um, thing as well. I like starting everything. Right. And then I get to a certain point and mm -hmm. for lack of better description, it's almost like I get bored. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, and it's not boredom as much as that. Prime example, if we have a task together and just say it takes step, uh, you know, it usually takes 10 steps to figure out if we succeed. Yeah. If I figure out that I can, I'm going to succeed at step five, I don't need to go to step 10. I already know I got it. And at that point in time, I lose attention. And that's been kind of like a weakness of mine. So, 
which is why I ended up tend to like startups. I tend to end up getting startups when I know it's going to succeed. That's usually when I take on a partner or sell it off. Um, yeah, I think that's that. I think that attribute is very common of entrepreneurs. We're scatterbrained. We get bored easily. I think one of the main reasons why I'm so involved in the startup process and I have a passion for startups and and young entrepreneurs, not just in age young, but in the amount of time that they've been on their own is the amount of growth that you experience super early. When you get into a new industry and you start a business, there's hockey stick growth early on the first couple of years. And then that tapers off. You're still growing. You're still improving. You're still figuring things out. But the speed at which you're growing is not the same as with a startup because you're figuring so many things out. So many things are moving. And with my startups, we don't, I've never exited a company. Um, I have a few that I'm working on right now that I think I'll eventually exit, but I just seem to, and I did this in college, like I'd find a new subject and I would add to it. So I ended up graduating with a degree in psychology and three minors, philosophy, chemistry, and Spanish. So I kept adding instead of changing. And that, that's kind of been my career path with business where I'll make sure these companies are sustainable. I'll find someone that can replace me in the day-to-day -day that's that's highly skilled. And in a lot of cases, more talented than I am at running that particular company, I'll take a step back and, and move on. Yeah, well, see, that's a talent in itself, right? To let, let learning to let go and be able to relinquish that control. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing, right? So that's one that has actually been probably my biggest growth stint is that I have trouble letting go. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it's all being a part of self-awareness, right? When I was younger, I wouldn't have known that. When I was younger, I would have preached that I am not a micromanager and yeah. I don't like micromanaging. Um, reality is, looking back in the mirror, I was the very definition of that. Right? Yeah, so. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult. And I mean, two things. One there are very few better mirrors in life than starting a business. You, you start a business and you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much in other aspects too, but a lot of it was learning about yourself. One of the things that I thought I was really good at early on, I thought I was very approachable. I thought that people would just come tell me their feelings. They'd come tell me their ideas. And I learned that I was very intimidating that, you know, I put up walls that I wasn't meaning to, but, you know, first thing, a business is a great mirror for an entrepreneur to look into and say, okay, this is me and I'm learning about these things. And the number one reason why you'd want to do that as an entrepreneur is so that you can change and progress. And kind of speaking to that second point of being a micromanager and, and owning your own business, it is so difficult because that's your baby. That's your business it's really hard to find people to care about your business like you do. And I think I've gotten pretty good at that. Um, finding the right people, getting the right people on the bus, making sure the right incentives are in place and allowing them the autonomy and the authority to make decisions and to allow them to fail. When you do that, you're putting them in a position where you're treating them like an owner of the business. But I understand you 100%, John. It's it's hard. This is your baby. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears into this. This is like, you know how to do it. You're the one that had the idea and the vision and you put in 
you know, everything that you've got, it is very, very difficult to just say, okay, I'm handing off the reins to somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like I've even had businesses where I started, I didn't always start them by myself. I've had businesses where I started with partners and, um, I would say five businesses started with partners out of that five, one ended where, uh, it was just time to part. Mm-hmm. Um, four ended cause I fired them, which, okay. uh, sounds like, how do you fire a partner? Right. But uh, yeah. it's always that. Uh, I mean, you can, right? If you own the yeah. majority of a company, because there's two role, a, a owner has two roles in some cases, um, employee and owner, right? So, so I'm with a couple of my businesses, I'm a silent partner. I have, I don't do any work for the company. I basically invested in the company. So I can't be fired unless they buy my ownership or whatever, because I'm just an owner. But if I were an employee also receiving some type of pay from the company, I could definitely be removed from that position. We've seen it, you know, in big, you know, tech companies, but Steve jobs was fired from his own company. The one he started, he was fired as the CEO and then later rehired. But yeah, that that's definitely, it sounds funny to some people, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, now some of it was well-deserved. Some of it, you just don't see eye to eye, but so yeah, partnerships can be tricky so partnerships can be very tricky yeah absolutely like and again you you get into involved in a lot right i like how you said you're silent partner there right so that's just an investment and i think that's the portion that i like in today's era where you're the like i think they call it a venture capitalist right and that that i think that takes the most amount of patience and the most amount of uh, hands off ever because you're outside looking in and as a venture capitalist, sometimes you want to choke yourself because you're going nuts watching what they're doing, going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, it's tough. And I'm, I'm kind of learning the process with some of these companies where it's like, Hey, I don't have that control. And Stephen Covey talks about this in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about how the most successful people are the ones that are able to spend time focusing on the things that they control, not just the things that affect them. Yeah. And and it, you know, I'm going through that process and learning that. And, you know, it's it's been a learning experience for me. For sure. Now, which brings up another point, right? When you said in terms of schooling and all that. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's the one thing people don't understand that if you're growing in life, you're always learning. Like we've been programmed to believe that that textbook and someone at the front of the class giving a lecture is the learning, but there's many different ways to learn many different ways to grow. And sometimes just by doing, you end up learning. You can take personal development courses. You can take coaching, get coaching from other mentors. Mm -hmm. And that is a form of learning. Mm Mm-hmm. So you got to work with whatever works for you and what gives you that upper hand because we all learn differently. Some of us can read a book and knock it off in a week. Other people can be on the same book at the end of the year that they started with and they just can't do it. But then you put an audio book in front of them and they've knocked out three or four in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're all different. And I believe that self-awareness and learning and learning what works for you and what you need to grow is a key component. 
Not yeah, hundred percent. And I think honestly, just to kind of add to that a little bit, I think when you mix passion with learning is where the development really happens. And that's why I think entrepreneurs learn so much in those, those first few years because they're so passionate about their business and their business idea, but they're having all these new experiences and new people and new situations. And a lot of times it's, it's less common to be passionate about going to school. Some people do a better job um, than others. I actually performed well in college. I got really good grades, graduated at the top of my law school class. But I don't know that I was passionate about it. And so it's that that where the rubber really meets the road um, and you're able to progress exponentially. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm uh, the opposite. I was a bad scholar, um, with the exception of math. I'm, I seem to be very good with math. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't pick up a book. I don't study. Don't even look at it. But if you mm-hmm. gave me the math thing and give me 15 minutes, I can figure it out. There you go. Right? And just natural, I guess. Mm-hmm. So math is my forte. And I guess that's why I'm a numbers guy. I'm a data there guy. There you go. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like uh, my dad always used to say, I should become a lawyer because I have an argument for everything. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that, yeah, sure, I can argue all day long. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the study to get there couldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just not me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I couldn't even get through the front door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, again, to each their own. Everybody's different. Now, where I'm going with this and where I'm trying to, you know, mm-hmm. you have a lot of different adventures, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Now, there's different ways of looking at things and there's different viewpoints and there's no right or wrong. It's a matter of what's right for you. But there's a there's an argument to be made that sometimes picking one thing, focusing on that one thing, and scaling it beyond borders that anybody can imagine is a way of doing things. Right? Yeah, so, and I need to clarify this because it's a really, really good and very important point and that sometimes people, when they hear about what I do, um, it they they miss the point. I don't recommend that an entrepreneur starts several things at once. I think that somebody that wants to get their hands in a lot of things, the right way to do it is to do one thing really well for a number of years and then kind of expand out. That's how I did it. That's the only way I know how to do it. If you look at like, you look at the sharks on Shark Tank, for example, every single one of them, they're involved in hundreds of businesses now. Their time gets pulled in all sorts of different directions. But in the beginning, they all started with one business. Most of them had a really successful exit, but they started with one business. They got really darn good at it and then they branched out one issue john that i see with entrepreneurs is they're like yeah i want to do this and i want to do that and i want to be like you alan and i want to do all these things and it's like well you can do a lot of things on a very low level but to be a successful business owner and to be a successful entrepreneur you have to do one thing at a very high level and so that's an a very that's a very important point Um, you know, I tell the story of, I was uh, coaching this entrepreneur and he, um, sat down in front of me and he had this notebook, John. And he said, 
I have all my ideas in this notebook and I want you, Alan, to tell me which one I should choose. And so we went through a couple of the ideas and they were some of them better than others, but they were generally good ideas. I, I believe action is 95% of a business ideas is 5%. But at the end of it, I said, Hey, you know, so-and-so it doesn't really matter what you decide to do, but when you decide to do something, I want you to take that notebook and I don't want you to burn it, but I want you to put it on a really high shelf. And that one thing that you decide to do, you need to put 100% of your professional time and intention into it for several years until you're in a position where it cash flows enough that you can pay somebody to replace yourself and run it at a level better than you're currently running it. I always say that a company is not self-sufficient, not just until it can work without the owner, but until it can grow without the owner. So a company is not self-sufficient unless it can grow without the owner. And that's just not possible for an early entrepreneur that has all these moving parts, juggling all these balls to start, you know, diverting their attention to something else. Love that. Absolutely love that. Now, which brings up another thing, right? Like, and I'm guilty of this. I'm going to be honest. I'm very guilty at this. I tend to be good at a lot of things. Now, sometimes mm -hmm. I'll do something and mm -hmm. it'll spark and it'll work and I'll get intrigued because it's working mm. and my first success my first eight-figure business part of my language here i fucking hated it but i was in love with the income mm. and i had trouble letting it go mm. and um but yeah i tell you i that was the first one i sold as well mm. and i sold it and i felt like i was in prison when i sold it because they made me stay on for an extra eight months. Mm -hmm. And I, and to be honest, it was beneficial. And without getting into numbers, but I'll give you an example. Just say I was asking for a hundred bucks. And the deal was if I stay on for the extra eight months, they'll give me 200 bucks. So mm -hmm. double what I'm asking. Hmm. But I just mm -hmm. had to hang on. Yep. That's right? very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did. But I'm telling you, those eight months were torture. It's really hard because you're working for somebody else now. And not only that, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're in your own house with your kids, but somebody else is bossing your kids around and telling you how to treat your kids. It's like, man, that's, that's a little different. Yeah. But where I was going this on top of that, this was the business I hated. Mm. Right. So it was almost exciting to leave it and leave it with a number that you can feel accomplished and proud of. Mm-hmm. But you were miserable all those years. Yeah. Right? Like, so where am I going with this is that have you ever experienced that where you were into something that was working, but you were miserable doing it? And how did you handle it if so? I think there's um, th that's definitely true. I have been in those situations. And I think it's I always struggle with this question of is it miserable good or is it miserable bad? And what I mean by that is, am I getting better, right? There's very few people that want to wake up early and go to the gym. That's miserable. Good. That's true. Right? So, so that's my first step in the analysis is, do I want to quit this? Do I want to leave this because it's difficult? And that's what I'm trying to teach my kids. I have young children and I'm trying to teach them that 
just because it's difficult. Actually, I find that nine times out of 10, that means that's exactly what you should be doing. But there's that other 10% where it's like, hey, this doesn't match my values. This doesn't match my vision for where I'm trying to go. And so maybe I am getting a little bit better, but it's so inconsistent with the other areas of my life and how I want to live that it's actually becoming more of a hurdle to who I want to become than it is helping me get there. There we go. You know what? You said that keyword there is doesn't match your values. And I think that matters more than the money, more than anything else. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I always say, John, that money is really tough. And I didn't always have this perspective and it helps that I, you know, I have a little bit of money now. Um, But money is never a true motivation. People think it is, but it never really is because it's always means to some other end. So people that say that they want money, I always say that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but let's find out what you really want. What is it about the money? What does the money give you that you don't get from not having the money? And then they'll tell me, well, I grew up and I, you know, had very little means and my dad in and out of jobs. And I just want to be able to provide for my family. Okay. That's your motivation. It's not the money. It's that you want to be able to provide for your family. You want to be a, you know, a steward of your family and all these things. And so when people talk with me about money, which trust me, I have, I have really high expectations of myself in terms of net worth and all these things, because I believe I've been given a lot and a lot is expected of me. I can't just go waste what I've been given, but I know, and I recognize that at the end of the day, money is means to an end. And I've got to reach down deeper and find out what I'm really after, because it's not until we find our true motivations that we're able to perform at the highest level and reach our potential. So good. Love that. That is so true. So with that being said, right, because you got a lot going on and it's a good thing, right? I mean, I'm an entrepreneur too. I've got multiple things going on as well. I mean, I'm always looking for things. I'm always like out there as well, right? But and as you said, your day is hectic. So with that being said, I, I don't believe that you're waking up and going, hmm, what should I do today? I have nothing on my calendar. I have no plans for the week. I, and I could be wrong and maybe I'm reading you wrong, but I think you're a little similar to me in the way that, I have every day scheduled and it doesn't mean that it's not flexible and things can't be moved around when something of higher priority comes into play. But in general, I wake up knowing what I'm going to be doing that day. And it's by choice a lot of times, right? Cause we design our own day. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent correct. I think time is a lot like money in the sense that if you don't have a plan for it, a default plan will be put into place. If you don't control your time and you don't control your money, if you're not proactive about your time and you're not proactive about your money, then they will disappear and you'll wonder what happened to both. So um, so my calendar, I, I, I live off of it. Um, I have people in place that help me schedule things. Um, I'm in meetings. I spend a good chunk of my day six to seven hours every day meeting with people, getting high level reports about how my businesses are doing. Um, I have one actually right after we wrap up here um, with uh, Lizard SEM, our digital marketing agency. So I think you need structure, but then because I'm so busy, 
and I have young children and my family and my religion are both very important to me. My one and two on my list. I make sure that there are times on Saturdays and Sundays where it's like, I don't have a lot of structure on purpose. It's like, those days are different for me. Those are family days. Those are spiritual days. And then what it allows me to do is take a deep breath, catch up a little bit and get revamped for Monday. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. So awesome. So what I want to ask you is if you had, what was you like building your business and, you know, through that self-awareness, through that growth, there's always something that you think back and said, I wish I uh, took this more serious. I didn't think I needed that. But if I had a do-over, I would have done that sooner. And what would that be? I think that it would be just showing empathy and mercy to employees and partners, just especially early on. Um, I had the wrong perspective. We were always a team and we were always equal, but early on, I didn't act like that. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for my partners and weren't for the people around me. It, it is amazing the amount of credit I get for the work that other people do, just to be honest with you. So I think just treating people right, just treating people right, even competitors, even people in your industry and making those relationships, being real quick to make a, make a relationship or build a bridge, as they say, and really slow to burn it. And that includes being okay with certain types of mistakes and failures within your business. When an employee does something and they lose you money or they make a mistake, there should be some parameters in place. Some things aren't okay, especially toxicity, bad attitudes, stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a just a mistake. Those happen. People are human. And so if I could go back just to the beginning, I would, I would focus a little more on that and showing empathy and understanding and being more patient. Great answer. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, two more questions before I go into what I call the lightning round, which is okay. just a bunch of fun questions. Um, okay. Second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? Whew, that's a great question. That's a great question. It's a great question because it's a hard one. How do I know if, I'd ha if I've had a successful day? I, so here's the thing is that I'll have days where uh, – great social media content or I had a great podcast recording and it made me feel good. And sometimes I convince myself that that means I had a successful day, but my definition of a successful day is not metrics. It's not, um, did I make more money than the day before? Did I, did my company grow? My, my definition of a successful day is how did I treat people? Did I do a good job in how I treated others? And did I personally develop, grow, or learn something? And if I can say yes to that, regardless of whatever the metrics are, whatever the sales numbers are, when I'm alone with my thoughts, that's what I really care about. Fantastic. I noticed it wasn't a money metric. and never is, but... <laughs> and I think, I think the reason why it's not a money metric, John, is because money comes and goes. I have businesses that lose money, have been losing money for years. And so there's something else there. And that goes back to my motivation. That wasn't my motivation. Then it's not now. And so if it's not my motivation, then why should I determine my success based on that? 
Um, now, that being said, businesses have to make money or they won't be in business. We're seeing a lot of that right now, layoffs across the board. But there's something else at play. And it's trust me, I'm not always you know, in the state of mind where I have the patience and the wherewithal to think about it like this. But when I sit alone with my thoughts and I have a minute or two to take a couple of deep breaths after I freak out about a large expense or, you know, some money that we lost or a lost deal or whatever the case is, I realize that that's not the end all be all. That's not what I'm going to be thinking about when I'm on my deathbed, you know, saying my final goodbyes. That's not what I'm going to be thinking about. So I'm going to not, I'm going to try to not think about that now. Makes sense. So last question before the lightning round is where, if people want to find you, where do they go? I'm really easy guy to find. Uh, my website is alandraper.com. Um, I'm really passionate about startups. I'm an angel investor and always looking for the next deal um, and a way to help the, you know, the next startup. I'm very active on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, I have two podcasts. One's called the business growth pod and the other one is called bug bucks. So uh, business growth pod is a little more entrepreneur and self-development and um, yeah, social is a great place to reach me. So whatever platform, you know, people are on, I will be there also. Awesome. So now getting into what I call the lightning round and I'm going to start off with my first question which is my favorite question is what's your favorite food? Um, I married a Hispanic and um, she makes amazing Mexican food. And so anything, you know, tacos, burritos, enchiladas that she makes has got to be up there. Nice. Favorite vacation spot and why? I just built a house in uh, Naples, Florida, had a huge hurricane uh, actually come through Hurricane Ian. I think it was a week after we closed, actually. Oh, um, uh, my, my home was home was fine. I don't know how, but I'm really in love with Southwest Florida right now. I was in uh, Naples and uh, Miami about, uh, I would say, about a month before that. Mm. Yeah, so it's a great spot. Um Third question would be favorite food, favorite podcast. Oh man, I, I switch between my favorite podcast, depending on what I'm kind of um, focused on. I'm on a Tim Ferriss kick right now. He, right, right. Um, I think he does a, a great job. Um, I like smaller personal brand podcasts. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of on a Tim Ferriss. I'll, I'll go through phases where I listen to a lot of Ed Milet. I obviously am a fan of my own podcast, but, of course. um, you know, some of those, some of those bigger names, um, but I listen to podcasts about business. I listen to a lot about investing in money. Um, I listen to a real estate podcast, so it really depends on kind of the mood I'm in and if I have enough time to get through an episode. Makes total sense. Uh, Favorite book? My favorite book. So I, I divide my books into like what area of my life. But um, so my favorite business book um, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Good book. Um, every December, I read a book um, called Tuesdays with Maury, written by Mitch Album. And um, that book is more on the sentimental um, side, really makes you think about life and, and what you're doing with your time. So that one definitely has to be up there. Awesome. And last but not least, 
if you had unlimited amount of money in the world to do whatever you wanted, the catch is you only have 48 hours to spend it. What you spend, you keep. What you uh, don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? I mean, I'd give it all away. I would try to give away as much as possible. There are some charities you have to be careful with, but um, I would just I would try to uh, give it away. I, I there's probably not the answer that you were looking oh, for. Oh, you know what? I love that answer. Right? Like, like I never really used to ask that question. Never. I started asking it about. I would say maybe about four or five weeks ago, I started asking that question. And because you know what? A lot of times I find people go out there and ask and says, oh, well, if you had a million dollars or $10 million or whatever you do, you get the standard, uh, you know, I'd buy a Corvette or a Ferrari or a house or pay off my mortgage. And reality is that's just sort of the shallow vein, quick to my mind answers. It's usually not the real deep down desire. But rewording it the way I just did, that just gets thrown out the window and you get the real desire. Yeah. So no, that's I I like the way you worded that. Yeah. So that's the reason why I did it that way. Alan, this has been amazing, man. Definitely amazing. Likewise. Nope. I'm passionate about this stuff. I'm passionate about business and personal development and and finding your why. Um, I, you know, I believe that we're, we're children of a, a grand creator and we have infinite and godlike potential. And so this is my mission is to help others find that, find that satisfaction. That's not fleeting that, um, you know, that, that when, when all is said and done and we have a chance to look back on our lives, we feel like we've made an impact and we were consistent with, with uh, the potential that we had. I'm on the same page, man. I believe the same thing. So this is awesome. So again, thank you so much for being a guest. And, you know, maybe we'll catch up again and do it again in six months or something. Check to see what's going on and stuff. And uh, yeah, sort of continue uh, with the conversation. My pleasure. I'd love that. Thank you, John. Thanks, bud. If you like what you see and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.